0: Frataloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 564, Feb 22nd, 2021. That date should ring some bells, the 22nd. 59 degrees on this day in 2017, that amazing spring we had, and 22 below in 1873. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic. With Rookie on Production, Chris Rebers, Director of Social Media, John Haidt in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop, here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. I've mentioned to you guys about how often I'm seeing the birds outside my window. Mm-hmm. So Saturday I went to Fratelloni's, my Fratelloni's Ace Hardware, and bought a bird feeder, and I bought a big bag of seed, and uh, I came home, and I loaded the feeder up with the seed, and, and I hung, it, uh, hung the feeder strategically. So I, I'm staring at it right now out my window, and I have yet to see a bird. No <laughs> birds, no birds whatsoever. Zero. Nothing. There we go. You had a big project on your hands, I you see. You sure
1: you didn't buy squirrel food?
0: Nope, the squirrels are going crazy trying to figure out how to access this thing. They sit on a rock all, and look at it and wonder. It's all
2: squirrel I, food.
0: Can I jump that? Can I make it? And they they have not tried. But uh, I I think I must be doing something wrong. No, I don't know what not, it would like, be. But well, you're doing like, it all wrong, Stuart. So yeah. yeah. Well, like I told you off the air, give
2: it a few days. Once they discover it, they they have this weird bird social media network, and every bird in the neighborhood will be there fighting over it. Especially if
3: they are on take Twitter, a, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> it'll take a couple of days. That was clever, Chris. Thank you. Wow.
0: Over the weekend, we were made privy to a piece in the current issue of the National Review called Minnesota Nasty, with the subhead, Minneapolis is a Nice City No Longer, written by a fellow named... Kevin D. Williamson, who we have emailed to talk to, but uh, we have yet to hear back from him, but we have Annette Meeks agreeing to join us in a few minutes. Annette Meeks is quoted extensively in the the article. Uh, Annette, uh, who we all know from her radio days at KSTP, she heads up the Freedom Foundation of Minnesota, which is an independent, nonprofit, educational, and research organization that actively advocates the principles of individual freedom, personal responsibility, economic freedom, and limited government. In other words, she heads up the uh, subsidiary uh, subsidiary office of Garage Logic Mayor's office. Mm-hmm. In any event, Annette will be joining us to comment on this piece. We all read it, and we are all uh, stunned uh, to discover that. Everything we've been talking about for more than a year, this Williamson fellow uh, perfectly lays out. And that is, Minneapolis uh, might not recover. Minneapolis has been, (coughs) Minneapolis has surrendered to radical progressives who dominate the political scene. And what I learned is, I got the question answered for me. I've been saying something for years with the election of each new mayor. You'll, you'll regret the previous mayor. You'll miss the previous mayor. And I, and, and I think we can cut to the reason for that before Annette joins us. I want, to, uh, I want to cut to the reason for that. Here's a funny little lesson, Williamson writes, from the Democratic presidential primaries in 2016 and 2020. People like Hillary Rodham Clinton and Joe Biden win primaries, but Bernie Sanders wins caucuses. And Minnesota is a caucusing state with the intense face-to-face politics inherent to the practice sometimes denigrating into brawls, a raucous caucus in Minnesota-speak. That is precisely the kind of politics in which Sanders partisans thrive. In Minnesota, the socialists from Vermont, uh, to an underappreciated extent, won from losing. One of the many organizations that sprang from the rubble of Senator Sanders' presidential campaigns is Our Revolution Men, a nominally nonpartisan left wing outfit that has learned to work the caucus system and exploit the low turnout in off year municipal elections to take over Minneapolis. A relatively small number of people can control the caucus system," says one longtime office holder, a lifelong liberal and a member of the Democratic Farmer-Labor Party, who is dismayed by the city's radical tilt. I I, 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 wish Williamson would have named. I hate when we have unnamed right. sources. Well, they scared too, though. I suppose. For years it was a system that worked. It's only in the last few years that it has been a problem. The newly empowered radical left does not have much interest in Minnesota nice and that has helped to drive the moderate progressives out of the Minneapolis political ecosystem leaving the field to the radicals. Part of what's going on is a change in behavior with people being rude to each other. The polarization isn't helping. People who are more in the middle don't want to be involved. Now we have public hearings where people show up and scream, Shame on you, you've effed up the city, the former office holder said. Minnesota's political establishment has been, since time immemorial, dominated by a partnership between center left and far left. In the 1940s, the Republican Party was actually in a stronger position in Minnesota than the Democratic Party, but both were outgunned by the larger, better organized, left wing Farmer Labor Party. In 1944, a deal was brokered to join the two left liberal parties in a single new entity, the Democratic Farmer Labor Party, uh, its platform guided by a fusion committee chaired by Hubert Humphrey. Now, I will, I will pause there a moment to tell you that uh, what this fellow notes in about a 15-page article is that Minnesota still has, I mean, sorry, Minneapolis still has a two-party system, It's just that the two most relevant parties are both DFL, and they're at each other's throats, but technically within the same party. The radical faction has the upper hand. In 2017, three DFL incumbents on the city council were beaten by left-wing challengers from within their own party. Among them was our friend Barb Johnson, Mm -hmm. who lost to Philippe Cunningham. Philippe Cunningham is among those leading the charge to dismantle the police department and has revealed himself to be not terribly bright. Uh, You may play his uh, quote again, Chris. Oh, I thought I was banned from doing that. Well, no, but I mean, but here's the man who replaced Barb Johnson, who was a... Not a conservative by any stretch of the imagination, but a solid, clear-thinking woman who had reasonable views of the city. And and she's defeated by
4: this guy. The police chief's role is to be able to have a vision of what it means for us to have a strong um, focus Mm -hmm. on what should police be focusing on. Makes perfect sense. So we
0: we lost Barb Johnson to that doorknob. And then we get, uh, <laughs> that's what this Williamson calls Fry a doorknob, white shoe lawyer doorknob. Uh, and so then we get, we get down here to where we uh, have Annette Meeks being quoted. Uh, if you took Hubert Humphrey and plopped him down in Minneapolis today, he wouldn't recognize the place, says Annette Meeks, a former Republican Party leader and head of the Freedom Foundation of Minnesota, a conservative think tank. It's not the social upfeel, it's upheaval, it's just the rank craziness. At the top of the hit parade of crazy are efforts well underway to completely abolish the city's police department. The city's charter commission kept a police abolition measure off the ballot the last time around, ruling that the city charter has to be amended before such an action is taken. But a petition drive has been launched to make that happen. They need 12,000 signatures to get it on the ballot, Meeks said, but they're going for 20,000 overachievers that they are. Meeks paints a bleak picture of Minneapolis's political environment. The Republicans moved out and fell into obscurity decades ago. The caucus system and rank-choice voting create complexities that favor committed full-time political activists over civic-minded volunteer leaders." Boutique radicalism has replaced such old-fashioned livability issues as park maintenance and crime. And the new breed of leaders can win by grandstanding on cultural issues rather than concentrating on the difficult work of seeing to it that the city is well run. On top of all this, Meek says, is a shocking new viciousness as the manners and style of social media move into real-world political space. It's survival of the fittest, she said, and the radicals won. All right, now... Could we could we get Annette? Is she available? Yeah, she's uh, yeah. ready.
1: We're just going to her her mm-hmm. give her a call. Give
0: her a call.
2: Read the next paragraph while we're waiting, because it's good. It's about RT. She
0: points to former three-term Mayor R.T. Ryback, who upgraded his gas-electric city vehicle to plug-in hybrid after attending a climate change conference, as an example of the old school. He was, Meek says, a liberal's liberal, but he also dedicated much of his time as mayor to reducing crime and balancing the budget. If you told him that he had to be careful driving his Prius because there's no police, he would have laughed you out of the room. When yep. Rybeck left, he was replaced by Betsy Hodges, a Bryn Mawr graduate who worked as a fundraiser for, for Progressive Minnesota and is now best known for publishing a kind of Maoist self-criticism confession in the New York Times last year headlined, As Mayor of Minneapolis, I Saw How White Liberals Block Change. And then she went on to apologize for being white. And yep. then uh, uh, and if there's one thing Minnesota Democrats can count on, it's this. You ain't never woke enough. Somebody can always outwoke you. Running for re-election, Hodges finished third in a field of five and was replaced by Jacob Fry, the doorknob currently serving as mayor. (laughs) Love it. A white-shoe radical lawyer who was buffaloed into letting rioters run amok and burn down his city. He tried to finesse his way to a third-way solution in the face of demands to defund the police, but in the end signed a budget imposing millions of dollars of cuts on the police department in order to appease the left. But as we now know... Uh, we've already seen that the city council just had to approve $6.5 million to uh, fund a new recruiting class for police. Now, is Annette ready? Yes, she is on the line. Hi, Annette. How are you, Joe? Pretty good. Annette, you head up the Minnesota Freedom Foundation. Just briefly tell us what that is.
4: Well, we are a nonprofit, uh, I hate the term think tank. We, mm-hmm. we try to do market-oriented things. Uh, alternatives to some of the toughest problems facing our state. So that's what we work on.
0: Annette, the reason I wanted to talk to you is uh, all of us on the staff here, we're fascinated by this piece that this Kevin D. Williamson wrote. Isn't it great? And it answers a lot of my questions. I've been saying for years, you'll always, we're going to regret the outgoing mayor with each new mayor. Well, (laughs) we already... Hell, we already regret Hodges compared to Fry, and we certainly regret R.T. Rybeck compared to Hodges. Here's why I wanted to bring you on and ask you something. What do progressives hope to gain by the way they behave? You can't, who is going to benefit by a destroyed city?
4: Anarchy. But why? Seriously. Why? Seriously, I, why? I, I believe they have such a central distrust of any function of government it's just like they distrust the police okay you and i can sit down and agree with even the most radical anarchists that yep there's probably a few bad apples and we should weed them out and and that would strengthen the police department and strengthen the city because people would have more respect for for the police department when you have people who believe in nothing um they they believe in just destroying everything that is left um I, I really believe that's what empowers uh, these folks, and and they've become empowered by our crazy city uh, functions. Like it said in the article, with uh, rank choice voting, you find me eight people in the whole city of Minneapolis that can explain to you how that works, mm-hmm. and that they, they just can't. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's really confusing. You the, the same thing with with the precinct caucuses that have turned you know violent. Um, I brought that up to Kevin, who who authored the article, because I think that's really important. Precinct caucuses used to be where people went and had civil discussions with their neighbors. You might disagree with them, but it was still a very civil discussion and a rather friendly process. And and now these people would rather burn down the caucuses and have them result with the police being called than to sit down and have a frank and honest and... An earnest discussion on how do we find solutions to these problems. I, I really believe that that these are anarchists, and, and that's why there's there's really no turning back for the city. That we've entered down a pathway that, like you said, everyone always thought Archie Ryback. You know, he's kind of silly, right, with his mm-hmm. his Prius that he drove around, and yep. and you know all of his little. Remember the time he was changing clothes? It's like in a Prius. How is that possible? <laughs> right, uh, <laughs> but. You you, you look at people like that now, and they seem almost quaint. Um, Well, not only quaint, they seem (laughs) level-headed. That's the scary part. Yeah. You read some of the stuff that these people said, especially this summer, uh, when when in the middle of the the two riots, um, and and they weren't interested in quelling the protest, the violent protests, not the peaceful ones, but the violence, they weren't interested in that. Many of them showed up and, you know, poured their meta- metaphorical gas cans onto the fire
5: mm-hmm. and,
4: and and helped it exacerbate the problem rather than make it go away.
0: But, Annette, there, there will be nothing to have power over if you destroy the basic functions of the city.
4: <laughs> yes, indeed. That is the, that is the truth. Um, and And those of us who have lived in those cities that have seen this before, um he cited Newark and and uh, one other community at Detroit. Uh, Detroit. Yep. Yeah, I grew up in St. Louis. Um, yep. I saw it with uh, eyes wide open as a child, and there were there were days when you I mean you just didn't even go into the city of, of St. Louis. There were businesses you could no longer go to that my parents regularly shopped at when they were young. Um, you see a city transform like that, and you understand it never can come back. St. Louis never will. Um, and all the great things that they built, a new ballpark, all the different things in downtown St. Louis will never bring that city back uh, once you cripple it and and he did cite uh, we talked a long time about all the businesses that still have corporate headquarters in downtown. All mm-hmm. it will take is one of them to close shop and that that will we, we see it right now. Uh, my office is downtown, I live downtown, and it's a ghost town. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this continues beyond the pandemic. it's over.
0: What do you, do you see any hope?
4: Well, I'd like you, to think um, that. You, that, say that the,
0: you say the radicals
4: have won. Oh, oh, really, I, Joe, I couldn't tell you how discouraged I was after the last election when we elected our boy mayor, yeah. and, and everyone just thought, and we had a real good candidate, by the way, listen to me, we. Um, there was a moderate Democrat by the name of Tom Hoke, who ran, who came in second on the first ballot. Don't ask me how he lost, but he lost uh, through that ranked choice voting. Uh, He would have been a sensible, um, a a, a liberal's liberal, no doubt about it, but um, he would have been at least a common-sense alternative to what we have now. Now uh, we just have a, a, and it's partially due to the city charter, too. We have a very weak mayor structure that allows... The other lunatics that are elected to the city council—I don't know if you've ever looked at some of these folks—but you know, we did some research over the summer. I mean, most of these people have never even had a real job. Well, you know, I know we yeah. yeah, community organizers and, and others, some um, some such thing, and and there, there's their fear is only being out radicalized, if you will, by their further left opponents.
0: You and I can agree that we see craziness. They must think that they don't see craziness. They must think that they own some utopian vision of success for the city. Uh, Other than that, I'm left to believe that they're just purposely want to destroy it.
4: Well, you bring up an interesting point. I I oftentimes look at the memorial to George Floyd Mm -hmm. as kind of the, that is their penultimate Self-guided, how they police the area, how they allow—it's really a rather fascist um, uh, notion in my mind
5: that they decide.
4: You know, they decide who gets to enter that area. They decide uh, what will happen, what businesses are allowed to reopen. Um, To me, that's a very dangerous precedent. uh, But when you have a bunch of heavy-handed thugs that are heavily armed, guarding that 24 hours a day, that's what you have. And I don't think they realize, meaning kind of the far-left progressives, how close they are to where the far-left meets the extreme far-right and how dangerous that is.
0: Is there any chance that Fry realizes the city is disappearing on his watch? Does he understand (laughs) it?
4: Hmm. Boy, I'd love to say... uh, um, yeah, I'd love to say yes. That you know he's woke enough to understand what what the dangers are. I know he has been uh, lectured by many of the our friends from the business partnership and others that have a vested interest in making sure our city remains safe and strong. Uh, let me tell you about one encounter with one city councilman. We have a a, a, a first termer by the name of Steve Fletcher who represents right. the area I live in here,
5: right.
4: um, in North Loop. Uh, right along the river and we've had an abundance of car thefts since this summer and it makes sense right you have you know higher end condos and Mm -hmm. and things like that you have nicer cars so Mm -hmm. car thefts aren't stupid they come down here to steal your car and so a friend of mine in their condo uh, (laughs) called Steve Fletcher and said hey you know could you come and talk to our HOA uh, about the abundance of car thefts and what we should be doing and Steve Fletcher sure so they had a zoom call with the city councilman and his suggestion was well you need to have your HOA hire more security oh my because your cars are getting stolen oh my god
5: well,
4: <laughs> not Fail. Gee, we need to arrest these people and <laughs> not catch and release them the minute that we take them in and book them uh not gee we need to have tougher laws maybe we should you know organize and go to the legislature uh to to punish these people who do armed robberies on our Streets during daylight, nothing. It's your fault. You have well, an and Flet- car. No.
0: And Fletcher's among the uh, the trio that is most, uh, most vocal on eliminating the police department.
4: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, it, so I, I look at that and I think even if Mayor Fry had a woke moment where he looked at this and said, you know, this might be tipping a little bit too far uh, to the crazy left, I don't know that there's even anything he could do about it. And if he did, he'll be defeated. In, in the precinct caucuses by, by the far left. So is it,
0: is it the caucuses who are delivering the likes of Fletcher and Philippe Cunningham and what have you?
4: Exactly. Okay. Uh, if you'll recall, four years ago, Barb Johnson, who was president of the city council, right. and I would argue uh, one of the uh, more moderating—I mean, she was a liberal's liberal, no doubt about it, but she was a very, very good— uh, president of the city council she was defeated in her pretty uh precinct caucus uh for endorsement as was um uh oh for goodness sakes uh, lisa beyond, goodman
0: beyond, uh, lisa goodman yeah
4: yes lisa was and and then uh, yes up in north minneapolis uh the the young um mung uh, whose name i'm sorry escaped beyond me right yang
0: now. or something like that yeah. he lost to keith ellison I'm yeah, sorry, exactly. uh, Jeremiah Ellison. Jeremiah
4: Ellison. Yeah. But
1: if you yeah. think about it, and, and Joe's theory is you wish for the mayor that you had prior, if uh, Jacob Fry gets knocked out, who in the hell is going to replace him?
4: Well, isn't that interesting? I've, I've been told, I haven't checked for a while, the filings, that there's already five or six that have filed. Wow. And, and again, these are not going to be household names that you and I could look at and say, oh, you know, that's... the. Well, Bobby Joe Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. He's a vice president at Target. It's not mm-hmm. going to be that. It's going to be someone we've never heard of, uh, just like Jacob Fry was someone we had never heard of, and and that's what they do. Is is these community organizers uh, kind of self select someone from within their midst who is beholden to their far left ideals. And that's who they promote into these positions. That's what's so scary. You look at this Steve Fletcher and say, well, what experience do you have in government? Mm-hmm. In, in, in any ideo- ideology or anything like that, doesn't matter. It's are you the most woke candidate, and, and that's who gets nominated, and that's who wins. It's virtually impossible. We do have somebody very good running against him uh, in, in 2021. And I doubt, again, I hope he wins. But even then, he'll be one voice out of the wilderness. Uh, even if we defeat Fletcher, compared to all the others, who is it? Uh, he's, he's a Rainville. A what? I, his last name is Rainville. And, oh, okay, okay. Uh, they, you know, uh, I think there was Alice Rainville was on the city council, which I believe was his mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe she's on the city council like twenty, you know, twenty years ago or something like that. It's, it's ringing a bell. Yeah. Um, uh, I'd have to look up his name. I just heard that after this article came out. Someone said, hey, you should support this guy. It's like, hey, I'm it, all in. Uh, is I'll it Mike? Anybody. Yes, is it. Mike, it, Mike, Mike? Rainville. Thank okay. you.
0: Yeah. Annette, here's how things have changed in so rapidly. Barb Johnson used to routinely call our show. Now imagine that. Barb <laughs> Johnson called us. That doesn't happen anymore.
2: No, Not, not that I, just I don't that. even want to talk.
0: I, don't, I wouldn't even want to take a call from Philippe Cunningham. What would yeah, the point not, be? Yeah, well, don't don't fear that, Suge. They would
2: never, ever answer our call. No, it, no. It, They don't even answer the calls of their constituents. Right. Um, As Annette, Annette I, just
0: learned with the cars. Right, right. <laughs>
2: Annette, I have a question for you, and I was going to ask you, and I changed my question. I was going to ask you if the far left is the reason why we have the far, far right now. But then you said something that sent a shudder down my spine. You said the far left, and I'm talking far, far crazy left, is becoming more and more aligned with the far, far crazy right. Can you expound on that?
4: Well, I think it's, if you look at it from a 30,000 feet level, the, the idea of, uh, of a fascist left, is is hard for most people to comprehend until you start to see it in Portland and and you start to see it at 38th in Chicago here in Minneapolis. But that is what they are. And it is a very, very frightening, um, in my mind, to me, that is the most frightening thing. These are people who believe that they have right by might, uh, not because of any elected position or uh, any reasonable person would conclude that they have the right to do what they 're doing, uh, but they just seized that power and It is to me uh, one of the most dangerous elements of what happened when uh, the third precinct started to burn last May is you started to see that element and it, they came out night after night even more and it really wasn 't until the National Guard restored peace and order in South Minneapolis. Um, I, I, living here in downtown Minneapolis in a high-rise, we had, yeah. I, I, this is, I, I rarely talk about this, but it. I should, because it was so frightening. Uh, we had a, a, I called it our neighborhood vigilante group. We have a courtyard around our condo, and every night <laughs> all the smokers kind of congregate out there, because right. of course it's a no-smoking building. And, yeah. <laughs> um, they started sending out little notices, you know, just like on 9/11 when people were getting on board planes. Uh, we were stuck in Europe on 9/11, and my husband is a big guy. Uh, the first flight out we were on, uh, leaving uh, Amsterdam, and people came up to him and said, "Hey, are you in or not?"
5: Mm-hmm. And
4: and my yeah. husband's like, "Yeah, I'm totally in. Tell me what to do." And they're like, "Well,
5: yeah. just be yep. prepared.
4: You know, mm-hmm. if anything happens, yep. we need you. We need to know who's on our side." Well, we had the same thing in our condo, where yeah. the smokers were outside. This is an absolutely true story. We're getting ready to go to bed on Saturday night during the riots. And at 11 o'clock or so, um, my husband was looking at Twitter. We follow this Minneapolis crime watch, which right. anybody who is, you have to follow this. It's just real time, keeps you appraised of what's happening. And he said, oh, look at this. Um, somebody's robbing the liquor store in in the apartment building next door. Mm-hmm. So, well, they're not robbing it. That's closed. It's eleven o'clock. They're yeah. they're looting it, and right. right at that moment, I was looking out the window like Gladys Kravitz, wondering, <laughs> "Hmm, isn't that interesting?" And you see the guys out there with their heaters. That's all you can really see is the smokers out there. You can see their cigarettes. Um, there are about five of them out there that Saturday night. The next day, we get our little newsletter, email newsletter from our condo association that does like a bomb damage assessment of, you know, damage that was sustained by the, the condo association overnight. And they said, and an amazing thing happened as the robber from that liquor store leaped over the fence into our courtyard. He ran right into five of our residents <laughs> who were outside uh, who apprehended him called nine one one. And, and he was hauled away to the pokey. Um, but, but that is, that's the good side of what you see. The downside is what you see at 38th in Chicago. Mm-hmm. and, it's it's a very frightening proposition that we don't have enough of those good guys out there defending their property and saying hey no more um
2: Annette, we had the uh, ex- exact same experience in south minneapolis i lived i used to live off 38th and uh, 20th avenue south Um, And we had the same experience. And what I discovered those two nights, that those of us that were out watching the streets and watching the alleys and and walking around the block and protecting everybody, we were from both political parties. And we were uh, unified and united in keeping ourselves, our homes, and our blocks safe. And it got me to thinking... That's what we need to do to move forward in this country, is it not? We, the middle right, the normal right, need to join uh, hands and arms with who we used to think was the enemy, the liberal progressives, because they're also getting forced out of their party, and we need to take the center back, wouldn't you
4: think? Absolutely. I'll tell you the one thing that that Kevin Williamson brought out in this article is who is getting hurt the most by this lawlessness and... and and the craziness, if you will, are some of the poorest and displaced yeah. people. Uh, and especially, um, I, I have a, a very good uh, friend who is gay, who lives in one of those million dollar condos uh, down the street. And he and I were talking, we used to walk to work. And I said, I haven't walked to work since, since last March. I'm, I'm too afraid. And he said, neither am I. And and he he lives very close to the Trader Joe's. He said, "I won't even walk to Trader Joe's," uh, and I said, "Yeah, I hear you. Uh, it, it's just too dangerous out there, especially once the sun goes down. I just I won't walk anywhere." But you look at that, and and you know, we, he he cited several uh, incidents of of violence against LGBTQ folks and and others. They're really the ones suffering. And it's what you said. We've got to just take the, the center, the, the normal people who still live in this city. And believe me, we are still the majority. We really are. I saw that during the riots, that our whole condo association, and, and we get about 13% Republican vote where I live here yeah. in, in our ward. Good this luck. Is not a Repub- yeah, we're not a Republican area. But by golly, we all banded together, and they were not going to take us, uh, and they were not going to burn down our building, and they weren't going to destroy our property. Uh, we had a couple bricks thrown through windows, and that was it. Uh, but people were united. We've got to get that attitude back. Our problem is, who's the leader of that?
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Just a little so. throwback here. I was uh, Alice Rainville did serve on the council for 22 years, and she was the first woman president Rainville's daughter, Barb Johnson, was the current president. Really? Yeah, her daughter was Barb Johnson, representing the same North Minneapolis ward as her mother. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. And we lost uh, Alice <laughs> in uh, 2009.
0: Annette, why don't we stay in touch uh, as the, uh, as the uh, months go by here and we'll try to follow what's happening.
4: Well, it sounds great. I, it's such a thrill to talk to you guys. I miss you so much, and I'm so thrilled to hear you and talk to you.
0: Thanks, Annette, for your time. I appreciate it. Say hi to Mr. Always. Meeks for me. Yep.
4: <laughs> See you guys.
0: All right. Thank you. Let me read to conclude this.
1: She is, uh, she's chatty, but she is so knowledgeable oh. and she's so nice. Yes. She's one of the nicest people I know.
2: Their old radio show. She did a show with Kathy Hartnett, who's uh, from the left. Dang and it! That's
1: we couldn't Hartnett, think of who I it was. Remember so. her Kathy last Hartnett. Name. And
2: it, yeah. it, it proved to me and everybody. That the old school uh, Republicans getting along just fine with their with you know the other side of the aisle yes. can work out, and it's like Joe says, we just tell each other
1: why they're why we're why they're <laughs> right. wrong, you know, yeah. and yeah. don't hate them, right? And then they go make a deal at the Lexington, and then go to the state, you know, it's. And business gets taken care of.
0: Downtown Minneapolis is home to the corporate headquarters of Target, 8,500 employees. U.S. Bank, 5,000 employees. As well as a large Wells Fargo office, 7,000 employees. This is Williamson's piece in the national review one major corporate defection could have devastating consequences in minneapolis today is a hard sell as a long-term investment people with a taste for urban life will put up with all sorts of shenanigans in new york city and los angeles and other megalopsises at the other end of the spectrum residents can exercise a relatively high level of control when things go badly awry in small towns but mid-sized cities are neither fish nor municipal fowl Sometimes they hit a sweet spot like Austin or Kansas City, and sometimes they end up with the worst of both worlds. That's the danger in Minneapolis, which has long prospered in no small part in the strength of its lively cultural scene and livability. Even when the plague is conquered, rampant crime in the aftermath of the recent lawlessness will hinder the city's cultural recovery. And people will have to ask, do you really want to live in a city with San Francisco's homelessness and Fargo's weather? Do you really want New York City's crime with Milwaukee's theater? Los Angeles is government dysfunction with Columbus's restaurants. How many variations of the theme of Cleveland are millennials able to sustain? <laughs> it's, a, it's a familiar story. Everybody knows where the road to Portland ends. Portland. Portland was once a thriving and quirky second-tier city and is now a dreary, backward, ugly, dangerous, tedious little burg of no interest except as a sobering, cautionary tale. Philadelphia was once celebrated as an American Paris. Detroit was one of the wealthiest cities in the world. Minneapolis's new radicals came to conquer and may be king for a day, but they won't be the first of their kind to ruin a city by trying to rule it. And I'm going to continue to pursue my question because I don't think we answered it yet. What do they hope to gain by ruining a city? Somebody has to help me understand that. I, know. I don't know who to ask. It was a great to start with a net, but I, I've got to find other people. What? Why is that form of political life more preferable to common sense? It doesn't make sense. It just makes no sense whatsoever. Time out for water. Mm-hmm.
1: Take it's the two. end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Sushere. <laughs> it's,
2: it's such a wonderful product in this world of bad gas that everybody that has used seafoam has a story, including Michael, who is brilliant. And Chris, I want you to listen to this closely. Hi, okay. Kenny. Ever since I've taken over management of the cylinders in my girlfriend's vehicle, she has gotten a can of seafoam as a gift for holidays, birthdays, even Valentine's Day. It's now become a tradition she enjoys. Although she's not a CEI girl yet, she could someday be one, uh, Mike. She's already a CEI girl, Mike. She just doesn't realize it because whatever needs figuring out can be figured out in the garage with a can of seafoam, Chris, your question
3: uh i stopped in at Fratz uh in eden prairie bought my first can of sea foam yeah i do have a question because i'm a dummy yeah what ratio can i dump the whole thing in 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 my traverse uh, help me you don't need to dump the
0: whole canyon
2: don't even bother worrying about that put a bow on it and give it to the wife. Okay. She'll take care of
3: it. Okay, there so, you go. Man, how often? Should I, I mean, is this an every tank thing? Every Well, other I've tank? got
2: 93,000 on mine. I'm using high-mileage seafoam, and I do it every two to three tanks, and I just dump a whole can in. Okay. Uh, I took another sled out of uh, storage over the weekend. It had a full tank of gas in it that we seafoamed uh, last fall. I ran it for 30 minutes Dumped in, I don't know, quarter, quarter can. I don't measure. I don't do any of that. This stuff is a miracle. It really works. But never mind that. What I'm excited about is we now have birthdays, holidays, phony holidays, graduate gender reveals. Yeah. Show up with a can of C. There you oh go, kid. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it cleans carbon. Chris, you can pour it in your gas tank. You can even pour it in that little thing where you're supposed to put oil and you never do. Uh, and it works. It works down there. It works everywhere. Uh, valves, car, uh, carbs, injectors. Everything runs smoother and is happier. And the best part, like you said, you can find it anywhere. It's a global company. You can find it all over the world. And if it's not in your favorite store, is it really your favorite store? If there isn't a can Ooh, of Sea Foam, good point. Yeah, you know, maybe you should rethink things. Uh, Anyway, we are taking seafoam stories, and we're giving away free goods every Friday. Just uh, send me your seafoam story. Olson at garagelogic.com. And remember, it's a wonderful product in this world of bad gas. It's
0: seafoam. The uh, Chauvin trial begins two weeks from today. Mm. And speaking of the progressives we were just discussing, there's this headline on the local CBS site, progressives want police accountability measures in Chauvin trial security funding bill. And uh, the governor's proposal seems simple enough, $35 million in a fund for mutual aid reimbursement. Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka says now he is open to talking about an upfront aid fund. But in the past, he and other Republican senators have openly called it a bailout for Minneapolis. Progressives want the money to come with guidelines for police conduct. A watered-down version of those police accountability guidelines proved a no-go for progressives who sank the entire bill in the DFL-controlled House. Okay, let me interpret this. The progressives uh, in the DFL are saying, unless you allow us to instruct the police how they're going to behave mm-hmm. during the trial, mm-hmm. we're not going to vote for the money. Mm-hmm. God. Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you, Minneapolis. I don't. For the I don't.
0: Everybody. I. I don't think I'm exaggerating. A watered-down version of those police accountability guidelines proved a no-go for progressives who sank the entire bill in the DFL-controlled House. Two leaders with vital roles in the outcome say they would like to see a compromise that includes police accountability measures. Mayor Frye and House Majority Leader Ryan Winkler. Uh, said, we do not want to spend money on law enforcement without some accountability due to the fact that we're having a trial because a Minneapolis police officer ki- killed an African-American, uh, Winkler said, which, which may in court prove not to have been the case. We don't know. This is going to be critical that we get this assistance not just from an operation message, but also the message that it sends our state is unified in securing safety, uh, Fry said. In other words, you're going to let us tell you uh how much you're going to the uh, rioters can get away with. Yeah.
3: Holy crap.
0: Again, that's to which just, you would ask to again, to which you would ask the question, what's in it for you to let this get out of hand if in fact right. it does? What's in it for you? You'll have nothing left to run. You'll have no incomes to draw on to fund your your immaturity. There'll be nothing left. In the piece in the National Review, Williamson does say, if there is another large-scale riot, it would be his contention that Minneapolis will never recover from it. Ever. But what we're talking
2: about here, Such, has to do with police force. The men and women, the LEOs, right? The law enforcement officers. right And The Minnesota National Guard, they don't have to answer to any of that garbage, do they?
0: Nope. Nope. Well, the the answer is pretty simple, then. That's who we need. I have started a new file. Oh, boy. It's called End of the World. Ah! You'll recall that on Friday, just this past Friday, Feb 19, we had the always available Seth Borenstein piece from the Associated Press— who said humans are making Earth a broken and increasingly unlivable planet through climate change, biodiversity loss, and pollution. So the UN says we must make changes now. Remember that? Mm -hmm. This year is make it or break it because the risk of things becoming irreversible is gaining ground every year, Guterres said, the head of the UN. We are at the point of no return. Okay, I put that in the file because over the weekend I was alerted to this. (laughs) Appearing on CBS, Climate Envoy John Kerry said the winter storm being seen across the country is uh, the new normal. Carrie said, no, no, John, oh, we've, we've, we've had these storms throughout history. Uh, Carrie said, it is directly related to the warming. Uh, okay. Even if we did everything that we said we were going to do, we signed up for in Paris, we would see somewhere around 3.7 degrees or more, which is catastrophic. Kate, uh, Carrie later added, we have nine years left to avoid the consequences. Oh, we're down right. to nine. We're down we're to nine So no, no, this is a ray of hope. See, we, on Friday, we went from zero so now Kerry oh, says we have nine years. Okay. So I'm going to keep track of these uh, proclamations uh, because I feel a lot better that now we know uh, John has provided us uh, nine years. We, got we got have nine, nine years. Okay. We, we have nine. nine left. We have nine left. We have nine years. Okay.
1: We nine years is that left. locked in or does that slide? Is it like the price is right when you're bidding on the thing it oh, has point. to be in the window? Yeah. Oh, it slides. It's, it's moving slide. it's I should have it's called
2: slides. you yesterday morning, Such, um, because I had all of my climate change questions answered on uh, Fox Morning News. And who is the who is the anchor on Fox on Sunday mornings? Uh, little pit bull guy. It uh, doesn't matter. Anyway, I he, don't was know. Inter- he was interviewing uh, climate genius Bill Gates. Oh, who boy. has sure. Who has a new book coming out called How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. And uh, sure enough, it, the, his footprint, his carbon footprint, was brought to light. And he talked about uh, all the things he's doing uh, uh, to offset his, his carbon footprint. And it all, uh, it all involves spending millions and millions of dollars on offsets. Well, of
0: course, of, of course, yeah. Yeah. of course. Yeah.
2: So he's See, not I'm actually, actually offsetting anything your carbon.
1: It's the only choice for somebody like me who Ruth. is traveling the world to win this battle. To save uh, us. I negotiated to save the Paris Accords. Uh, for the United States. I've been involved job. in this fight for years. I've mm-hmm. negotiated with President Xi to bring President Xi to the table so we can get don't do Paris. Bleep. And uh, I believe the time it takes me to get somewhere. I can't sail across the ocean. I have to fly to meet with people and get things done. Get what gone. I'm doing almost full time is working to win the battle of climate change. We're, we're and fighting. in the end, uh, yes. if I offset and contribute my life to do this, uh, I'm not going to be put on the defensive.
0: Okay, Johnny. Thank you. Say on the on the occasion of our uh, on the occasion of our five hundredth podcast, which would have been oh, no. sixty four podcasts ago. Okay, I got a nice uh, note from a guy named Tim Werner, and I want to respond to him, uh, but I have no address or email address or phone number. So if you are Tim Werner and you're listening, or if you're listening and you know Tim Werner,
3: Tim is a daily listener and contributor. Yeah, he? he'll, he'll email you right Well, then away. get to me, Tim. Well, yeah. Get back you, to me. Wait,
1: with, how do you know? What, what did you get this? a piece of mail from what him? Sent he sent me a book.
2: He oh. sent me a book. Is This This sounds like trading post on my local AM station. Right. Up there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a yeah, lawn chair. Uh, I got a used rake for sale. Uh, the handle's cracked, but uh, it's got some life in it. Yeah.
1: Does it have all its <laughs> fingers? <laughs> uh,
0: $3, Matthew, $3. I'll, I'll go got $2.
1: two seventy-five and throw in some twine. Sold. <laughs>
0: Paul Root writes, Thursday night we were talking that we needed to come up with an excuse to get to Grunhoffers. My suggestion was, well, the day after tomorrow would have the excuse, that's Saturday. Anyway, we decided to go out for a walk on a state trail in roughly the right direction. Then on to the We got the Town Ball meatloaf, the Minnesota meatloaf, a couple of packs of brats, jalapeno sliders, barbecue sauce, seasoning rub, gummy bears, and a suet log for the birds. Oh, and a one-pound meatloaf for a kid I used to have. It was the last one-pounder in the freezer, so we can't blame Reavers. (laughs) And I also got a note from another uh, uh, Paul. Uh, No, the same Paul who said, after listening to the Thursday podcast, I went to government's COVID connector website. After proving I'm not a robot, I was asked many questions that have nothing to do with getting a vaccine and only to do with the politicizing. Getting a vaccine along with questions that were pertinent, race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, or political questions. Do you work in (laughs) childcare or P12 education? Do you work in certain industries? Can you work at home? Chronic health issues? Those are valid questions. Fortunately, the inappropriate questions, Foghorn, please, yep. do have the answer, prefer not to say, which is probably just as telling to those harvesting the information. Knowing I'm months away from being able to get in line, I dropped out of the website after that. On a happier note, we had that mushroom and wild rice meatloaf we got on Saturday. So good. Unbelievably, there is a slice left. Meatloaf sandwich for lunch oh, today. Yeah, Of course, there's another happy customer from Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo. It's right on Highway 61 at the north end of Hugo. Uh, It's a destination for GLers. They've never been disappointed. All of you will never be disappointed with the fine products of Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats, including now three kinds of meatloaf. Meatloaf, town ball meatloaf, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Minnesota meatloaf, which is wild rice and mushrooms all of it available at grunhofer's old-fashioned meats in hugo right at the north end of hugo on highway 61
3: yes kenny
2: okay before we break let's just have the conversation on air that we were about to have off the air during this break about the rake one of us one of us (laughs) has to sign go to this website and sign up and see what this is all about because when you talked about this last week joe what was it thursday or so yeah i weren't you thinking in the back of your mind What's up with this? This isn't mm-hmm. what it seems. What's going on here? So one of us, maybe you, Chris, or you?
1: Rook, maybe. Matthew. Uh, yeah, I don't know I did
2: it. <laughs> Sign up. Go to the website. Go let's to docu- Vaccine Connector. Go to it. Uh, yeah, Nick let's was, document. Nick was
1: filling let's... one out last night or the night before, and she was appalled that she had to answer those questions. That they it was sexual orientation. Um And they do have the backup, do not, if you prefer not to say, but it was basically had nothing to do with vaccinations and they were asking personal questions. Well, unless they're trying to
0: monitor, unless they're trying to monitor various communities to see if they're getting the vaccine, you know, I don't know. Well, I I quit That was a very generous, charitable way for me to look at that.
1: I quit listening to it. It really was.
2: Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, but I would like more information because that letter from Paul was fascinating. Anyway, yeah.
0: all right. Okay. All right, thank you. Yeah. Sure. University of Garage Logic, ninety eight. College of self esteem, zip. Nada Not nothing. Here's Joe Sujeray.
2: So I'm crawling around the inside of a brand new railroad tanker car the other day. I'm checking structural integrity and the quality of the welds when it occurs to me. I got the greatest job on the planet. And then I woke up and I realized I had actually fallen asleep during one of Such's global warming tirades. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Sorry about that, Such. But at at this late date in life for me, I still fantasize about cool jobs in the real world. And being a graduate of the American Institute of Non-Destructive Testing and testing equipment and structures actually sounds fun and interesting to me anyway, the the website is trainingndt.com. You take six months of online learning, you follow that up with three weeks hands-on learning in the classroom facilities there in Baxter. You get a great job in whatever field you choose from aerospace and aviation to construction, manufacturing, oil and gas development, you name it. Uh, They use non-destructive testing. Log onto the website and see for yourself. It's again, trainingndt.com. And while you're doing that, keep in mind, They've got a 92% placement rating, and the sky is the limit when it comes to earnings potential. Just keep on with the continuing education as you work, and the world comes to you, baby. Uh, do it. Log on to
0: trainingmdt.com. See, uh, there's a there is an artistic installation that has received extraordinary publicity uh, in St. Paul. It's called an ice portal. Uh, it's a metal sculpture. Uh I don't know how to describe it, with ice cubes in it, it looks like, mm. ice cubes. Yeah. And and apparently the city came along late last week or earlier last week and, and tore it down. Can I Took it try it? Yeah, go ahead. It.
5: Yeah.
2: Imagine a clothesline, the end of the clothesline where you hang the wire from, and then hanging from that are various wires of different lengths with, like, frozen... I don't know, they look like hockey pucks, right? Suits or soft Yeah, but it's balls. clear it's clear ice. It's clear ice. Right, right. Yeah. And they're all dangling there at different levels.
0: Yeah, and and so the city tore it down using the old. It's it's too dangerous for us to leave this up. Somebody could get hurt. And then a private uh, residence uh, on Summit Avenue volunteered for the uh, artist uh, to uh, install it in their yard. So it's now in a private yard. And of course, I had to go see this.
3: Right. Uh, it, it's hope. getting
0: it's getting so much attention. I went yesterday and saw it. And uh, there were many, well, not many, maybe a dozen people gathered around. They had parked their cars on Summit. And uh, we're looking at it, and it's uh, it's handsome. It's a handsome piece, uh, but I'm just a bit puzzled that it got so much attention and so much publicity because I, I don't want to say this because maybe I couldn't do it, but I've always thought art, it's not art if I can do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You, ha- you have quoted that yourself before. <laughs> yeah.
0: it, it, and I, I got a feeling I could have done this.
2: See? <laughs> See, That's why you don't like Jackson Pollock, Right, right.
0: And yeah, I, I think I could have done this, but I'm glad I saw it. It's pleasant. It's a, it's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a diversion in the time of COVID. And uh, congratulations that the artist got it back up. And thank you to the uh, family that allowed it to be uh, in their front yard. I don't know what steps they've taken with insurance and, <laughs> and what, what have you. Uh But happened? it's on it's on the uh, north. I'm sorry. It's on the south side of Summit between. Uh,
5: sh- <laughs> what
3: it? has happened
0: between uh, Snelling? Between Snelling and Lexington on the south side what, of Somerville? Between Snelling and Lexington.
2: What happened to the sooch I was talking to twenty minutes before we wind on? When I
0: asked you about it, you said. Ding, ding. Well, there's a bit of ding, ding in it. There is a bit of ding. ding. I decided to, to not say ding, ding. I decided to to, well. to put it in the in the in the way that I could better understand which is it's not art if I can do it. Remember the guy who built the uh, supposedly it was called a, a Native American uh, a gallows? And uh, yes.
1: Hey no. pal, you built a deck for Menards. I right, can do right, that. That's right. not art that's not i'm opinion. looking at this right now i called it up from the startribune.com and it um you know um joe i think you might have the capability to do this do you have the patience to wait and do Ma- this probably Matthew, not
2: Matthew, do you have the article up try to find some of the uh quotes oh because no. before they moved or right after they moved it out of the city park there were some quotes from some very very disappointed residents and I just want to know what medicine, how much, what's the dose, how many times you, a day you just you've want taken those pills,
1: it. Huh? Uh, yeah, come on, man, share the goods. Let's see. Lindsey Cameron said it's nice to just see something that is uplifting, and that was a nice reason to get out of the house. Oh, there's other several social media posts about the piece echoed that statement. This sweet ice sculpture was well worth the cold walk. Reads one post. Yeah. It's back. Reads another. Uh, I don't have the social media post, but well, St. plus Paul it's resident. a neat way. It's a neat way to
0: monitor the onset of spring. as it as it melts and disappears? You know, spring is on the way. Give right. Yeah, right. me a break, yeah. St. Yeah. Paul resident Joe Suchere says.
3: Ding, ding. No,
0: I'm not saying ding, ding. I, I trying to turn over green. a new
3: trying to turn over a new leaf. I, I bet you smelled spring this morning. Did you smell? Oh, spring? I've been
0: I've been smelling it routinely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Still no birds, by the way.
2: <laughs> Give it a few days.
0: Uh, many, many GLers will want me to be aware of a study that shows that huge solar farms are uh, causing extraordinary environmental damage. Uh, the study was carried out by Zengayo Lu, a researcher in physical geography at Lund University, and Benjamin Smith, director of research at the Hawkesbury Institute for the Environment at Western Sydney University. The results of their research were published Feb 11 in an article in Uh, something called The Conversation. Solar panels are darker colors such as black and blue to attract and absorb more heat, but they are usually much darker than the ground around the solar panel. The Post cites an article that claims most solar panels are between 15 and 20% efficient in converting sunlight into usable energy. The researchers assert that the rest of the sunlight is returned to the surrounding environment as heat, warming the climate. Oh, the article notes that in order to replace fossil fuels, solar farms would need to be enormous, covering thousands of square miles. Thousands of square miles. Solar, uh, uh, solar farms of this magnitude potentially present environmental consequences, not just locally, but globally. Authors of a 2018 study say the climate models show that installing ample numbers of wind turbines would double precipitation in the Sahara Desert and solar panels would increase precipitation by 50%. The researchers came to this conclusion by determining that the solar panels and wind turbines would decrease the albedo on the land surface. Albedo is the fraction of light that is reflected by a body or surface. So uh, no good deed goes unpunished. Uh, you, you're going to put up thousands of square miles of solar farms. You're going to just wreck the earth anyway. So what the hell? Huh? Huh?
1: There, just, there just ain't no perfect
3: solution. I don't well, know how there, much urban driving that uh, you guys do. I know Kenny does for sure. Um, but I do. That's all my driving is urban driving. I, I'm sorry, non-urban driving. That's what oh, I meant to none say. none of
0: it is non-urban driving.
3: But I'm seeing solar farms
0: everywhere. Really? I'm seeing a lot of panels on houses. Are you? Yeah, okay.
1: yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah.
0: okay. I, hey, If is, it works for you and you can but you can sell some electricity back
1: to Exelon Energy, go for it. I'm, I'm all g- for you. My guys at LiveWireSolarMN.com. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Call Troy. You can, if you-, you can make a buck or two out of old Sol, go yeah.
0: ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I got to read this because it's part of our job to. Uh, No, I want to read this one first. Read that one first. Joe, as part of my job, I manage energy for a $3 billion global corporation. I've learned interesting facts, such as Germany sends trillions of dollars to Russia for energy. Germany, in spite of the Paris Accord and a commitment to eliminating its carbon footprint, has done none of this in the past 25 years. Europe pays 37 times higher gas prices than we do. 12 times higher electricity costs. God bless the USA. Additional fun facts that 80% of electricity comes from fossil fuels, one half of which is coal. This means that driving an electric car has a larger carbon footprint than a combustible engine when taking the entire process into account. Let's not even talk about the seriously hazardous chemicals and strip mining used in the manufacturing of electric batteries. One more fact is that much of Texas was without electricity due to the 25% renewable electricity movement. When we have no wind or we have frozen windmills and non-functioning solar panels, we have no electricity. Imagine for a second if we were really at 100% renewable. Ignore that this is not possible based on our current reality. And we had this storm. Ignore again, if you will. Texas experienced an above-average winter day in Minnesota. These blackouts did not include healthcare facilities, but would if they didn't have oil-created electricity. But here's the really, and I mean really ironic, part of this whole charade. Those folks who push this environmentalist, secular-religion agenda the hardest are telling us we need to make the world colder, a.k.a. reverse global warming. This means that what occurred in Texas would be much more common, again, suspend reality that it's just weather. People will die. Ventilators will stop. Remember, the agenda states no fossil fuels, which means no backup diesel generators. Ten to twenty years ago, the idea that we'd have radicals in charge was ludicrous rambling of right-wing extremists and shouldn't be taken seriously. I ask you and all listeners now, is it time to take us seriously? Is it time to push back and speak up with common sense that 90% of us all agree on? Dan Schultz. Of course it is, Dan. We're pushing back here every day the best we can. I think it's all B as in B, S as in S. And Rookie, you said we'll never have a perfect situation. Will we? We already do. What's, What's imperfect about the way we're living? GLers, by nature, are environmentally conscientious. Mm-hmm. We're last droppers. We have a very nice life, and all the people in the world can have a nice life if we get some acts together around the world. Uh, Bill Gates, go worry about getting some farmer's electricity in Africa, and don't worry uh, that you're flying your private jet over there. I'll forgive you. It's Okay. I don't think you're... You've done I some good with your money. You're you just, have. Yeah, yeah, I, don't take it it I don't think
1: you're harming the world, Bill. I think you're okay. I feel,
2: uh, I feel I'm doing my part because I no longer burn tires. <laughs> I, I'm, and That's I'm grateful.
1: That's in the plus column, see? I'm, I'm, I'm no grateful longer burning tires. Right.
0: At least during the day when you can see the <laughs> right, smoke. Right, right. right. <laughs> Tim, Tim Greeley, who allowed me to use his name, writes, and he, he deserves his hearing. Greetings, I am a GL teacher. I have been a loyal listener since 1994 when I returned to Minnesota after a few years of traveling the country in a T-top firebird and only 200 bucks to my name. Never did I think I would find myself in the position of defending a teacher's union, but I have to now. On Thursday, Feb. 18, you discussed the teaching union and made some statements that don't hold water. Because you are a fact-based show, I would like to help you understand how much control... Minnesota education has over its member unions and each union's members. It's a little like math, so hold on. Each school district is technically a local educational agency. Each LEA is made up of school board members, district administrators, community members. Each LEA has union and non-union teachers. The LEA, Local Educational Agency, has local control to come to agreements with its union members and non-union employees. When you say the teachers union, you are painting a broad stroke. The Minnesota Education Association, MEA, to which most but not all LEAs are member of, really does not have a great deal of local control. To use the experience of a teacher in Milwaukee or Chicago is also irresponsible, so I will share our experience. Both my wife and I are teachers. Because of the specialty degrees I hold, I work in five different school districts. She is in another, and our children attend yet another. I can tell you without a doubt that right now we are witnessing the highest level of cooperation and communication between school boards, union members, union leadership, and school administration that we have seen in our 26 years of teaching. Our unions are not telling us to stay home. They are not shaming, harassing, or using... (laughs) Excuse me, perfect help. Any other type of negative influence. We see the unions we are in touch with working diligently to decipher the convoluted stream of disparate facts spewed by our supposed government leaders. When you say unions won't let teachers teach, you are way off base because your generalization is too large. As an example, I have been teaching face to face almost every day since the start of the draconian control. I teach Braille, Braille is very hands on. "'The main district LEA union I work for "'went out of their way to write an agreement "'with the Minnesota Department of Health "'and County Public Health "'that allowed me to teach in person face-to-face. "'It was MDH that didn't want me to teach in person. "'MEA had no part of the ruling. "'I was not alone in this process.' were quite a number of other teachers who were supported by the LEA union so they could teach in person. Additionally, an emailer to your show noted that his school district has been in person this whole time. That would not have happened without local control. At the same time, you use broad generalizations about teaching unions. You also discuss the convoluted flow of information about infection rates, double or trisk triple masking herd immunity in April or two thousand twenty two and the list goes on. This is where you stumbled on the true issue with education and the pandemic i 'm not trying to pass the buck, but we But if we had a clear, concise, and consistent COVID information, we would be in a whole different place right now. Stop using broad generalizations and remember your roots as a fact-based show. You are welcome to use my name, Tim Greeley from Minnetonka or Rick from Red Deer. Thank you, Rick. I Mm -hmm. take your word seriously. I take your word seriously. I always stand to be educated. I'm always prepared to be straightened out. I'm always prepared to have a good pizza, too. Really? All from Red's. Red Savoy. I didn't stop today because it's Monday. Red Savoy. Oh, man. They're all over the metro now, stemming from that original recipe born in 1965 on 7th Street in St. Paul. And uh, if you go now to the uh, Red Savoy site or their app, you can get a special deal for GLers. You you create the pizza you want to pick up, and then you put GL in at the uh, checkout, and you're going to get bone-in or boneless chicken wings for free. It's a limited time offer and it's online only. Uh, You got to give Red Savoy a try. The, the, The wings are just an additional bonus. It's the pizza you're after. And you can get Red Savoy, as I said, all over. Apple Valley, Blaine, Burnsville, Egan, Eden Prairie, Edina, Hugo, Lakeville, Osseo, Roseville, St. Louis Park, downtown St. Paul, White Bear Avenue in St. Paul, Snelling Avenue in St. Paul, Vadness Heights in Woodbury, you won't regret it. Absolutely the best pizza, soda style, S-O-T-A since 1965. I
1: have a caveat.
0: Red's Savoy. Are you going to tell us we're doing it wrong?
1: Um, No, I'm going to tell you how to do it right. I was doing it all wrong. When I stopped there Friday to get that double sausage for Reavers and myself. Yeah. I didn't quite let my wife know that I was going to do this Ooh. and have the double sausage. And you can sign up when you go in person to get the Savoy Pizza Club. And yeah. I had one of the cards. Yeah. They got a card there. And I left the card uh, right where you put the keys when you go in the house. Yeah. And she grabbed the card and said, oh, what's this? And it says, you know, Red Savoy Pizza. And I panicked. And if she, well, Why would you get in trouble for that? Well, he didn't bring any. Because you didn't bring it home. I didn't bring any home. It's Friday. You know, it was that whole thing. Yeah. And uh, she said, Oh, I said, "Ah, I must be Gabe's or something like that. I don't don't know. Had she looked at me and saw my forehead, it would have said, I am a big effing liar. But she (laughs) didn't. So that's one caveat. (laughs) Put the card in your pocket. Put the card in your pocket and don't leave it on the the bureau, okay?
0: Well, I think that's wise counsel. Red
1: Savoy pizza. (laughs) Yeah. flashlight check tool belt check attitude check he's going in Joe Suchere well we've lost
2: Kenny so I'm looking at a picture that was drawn by a kid named Rachel age seven and here's the comment that's interesting everyone in this picture is white even the rainbow is white perhaps in an ideal world everyone would be white isn't that
0: right Rachel or should I call you a racist? Nice yeah. try, Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> you're referring to a uh, bad art by kids website. Yeah, is if you're a
2: new if you're a new R- GL-er and you hear one of us say ding ding, uh, all you have to do is uh, google this phrase ding, ding, here comes the bleep mobile, and this website will come up, and it's, it's absolutely wonderful. It's
0: everything you want to say about a kid's school project that you, of course, would never say to the kid.
1: Yes, yes. One, of, one of them is a, is a windmill, and the, the old Dutch windmill is in the perfect swastika. And somebody, somebody comments, finally, a windmill that only produces white power. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Just, you, it's a rabbit hole you'll get lost in. Yeah,
0: you call that a Christmas tree? You. Yes. <laughs> yes. Here's a guy with a 50-50-90 rule problem. The other day I told him, 50-50-90 rule is you when you have a 50% chance of being right, you'll be wrong 90% of the time. The other day I told my wife I was stopping at Target and asked if she wanted me to pick up anything for her. She said, yeah, I need two wine bottle gift bags. She showed me the one wine bottle gift bag she had and told me something like this. Anything will be fine. Of course, we all know fine means the journey I was about to embark on would be filled with peril. I went to Target and found the wine bottle gift bags. There were seven different kinds. As I was looking at all of them closely, I realized I was filled with the angst of a man walking toward the end of the plank. Then a flash of brilliance hit me. ha! I would buy all seven so there would be no wiggle room for her to catch me in the 50-50-90 rule. I grabbed the seven bags and strutted proudly to the checkout counter. Victory was destined to be mine. The young high schooler ringing up the bags asked if I found everything I was looking for. I joked, "Yes, but I'm sure I brought the wrong I bought the wrong thing." The clerk laughed as I did because how could I fail? I bought every bag they had. I returned home with my bounty. The colors and designs all varied, but there was no way failure was an option. Joe, how could it be? I bought every bag Target had. My wife pulled the bags out and spread them on the table. I confidently announced I was not 100% sure what you wanted, so I bought one of everything. She said, hmm, okay. She was obviously caught off guard by my cunning and ingenuity. She leaned over with one finger on, on her lips as she scanned the treasure trove of bags. She picked one up and said, I like this bag. With her one selection in hand, she continued to look intently at the other bags. Yes, in only a moment she would be forced to pick out the six remaining bags, and I would have defeated the fifty-fifty-ninety rule for the first time in my life. After a few seconds that seemed like an eternity, she held the bag up that was in her hand and said, I wish you would have bought two of these. No, 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 oh, come on. no, no, oh I lost God. again. How is this oh. even possible? I bought <laughs> seven bags. What can a mere mortal do? No. I walked away resigned to the fact that the 50 50 90 rule remains undefeated in my house. Keep pushing back. Well, at least keep pushing against everything except the 50 50 90 rule, which appears to be unbeatable. Bob, I mean, Kurt from Kansas. Yeah. Bob, you you really wow. got that. Go. She's, isn't that typical? Way isn't that go. typical? Very, yeah. She just couldn't leave well enough alone, could no, she?
1: They never can.
0: Only because they come to us all the way from Marlith Park in Pumalanga, South Africa, from our friend Thomas Lyman. It's on this day in Minnesota history. On this <laughs>
1: day...
0: Oh, I forgot about the new yeah, sound. a sounder. I,
1: I spent a lot of time on that. You might not
0: want to overlook that. On this day in 1861, <laughs> the state's... The state first celebrates George Washington's birthday as a legal holiday. Oh. And on uh, this day, <laughs> and on this day in 1980, we all should know what happened. Miracle on ice. Yeah, miracle, miracle on ice. ice.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, let me interject here before. Did you see at the outdoor hockey game in between periods the tip of the cap to the 60 club? Yes. I absolutely I loved it. I remember it. watching it. I, I remember watching
0: it. It. Re- it was nationally televised. I probably had my skates on in the living room and watched it.
1: I completely forgot about it. It was Doc Emmerich, and then they sat by with Mayasich and a. Oh, uh, cool. McCartan, a bunch of those guys at a round table. It was really neat. Uh, Darn it. The
0: Saturday game was delayed eight hours.
1: Yeah, they were dealing with slush issues. It was a great scene when they had the zoom out, and you could see it was just a perfect scene, but it was just too slushy. The sun was hitting the ice. Lake Tahoe,
0: you know, never freezes. It doesn't freeze. It's too, it's, it's too deep. It's too deep. Although that rink w- was not on the lake, obviously. It was on the shore of right, the lake. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then the Sunday game, they played later in the day, California time. I just had a Roycey like gas <laughs> okay, attack. Okay, I
1: thought Pat was in studio already. <laughs> uh, uh, there we go. The they gremlin played, was going to uh, come out there. <laughs>
0: they played at 4.30 California time, and they got that game in last night. Hmm. so there you have it gotcha Got yeah all right gellers thank you thank you
1: thank let's you let's, let's
0: wrap up this monday version yeah wish i'd see a bird on this feeder
1: well, well if you can't find anything cool outside your window like a bird eating at a bird feeder yeah you go to youtube and you subscribe to the garage logic channel is it a channel or just subscribe yeah, to garage Logic on YouTube. on youtube and uh not only will you see highlights from the show you'll see us but you'll see well, some videos here and there that we uh, we've leaked in just to give you some gl moments by the
3: way uh, last friday's video was the segment we were just doing where you introduced the new sound oh yes yes for this day in yeah history. you
1: might want to go back if you, if you didn't check it out Friday. It's, it's i don't pretty, really think it's worth it i think it's a, it's when we're antagonizing <laughs> you it's it's worth it it's worth it <laughs> and if you're looking for a brand new family podcast table talk just dropped on sunday we got a, oh. some good dysfunction. Still doing table that, talk. Huh? Yeah, let's do it. Pod MN on your smartphone, podmn.com on your computer. Find table talk with rookies, family, and so many others.